Good morning, our Father's house and the brave souls who drove through the snow this morning here and uh, those who are watching online. Um, excited to start uh, kind of a year-long series in one way from me. Um, we're going to be talking about creed. Um, and what that is, is we're going to be going through the different parts of the Apostles' Creed and talking about the importance of them. Now, Lanny started this, Pastor Clark started this last week in one sense, and he talked about the Nicene Creed and the other creeds, and we want to dig just a little deeper into that. And one of the reasons why is if you look at this website um, called um, thestateoftheology.com, it's very interesting to read how so many people who name the name of Jesus Christ don't really believe the tenets of the Christian faith. Or they don't understand it. And the Bible says my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. And we don't want anybody perishing. Especially those who name the name of Jesus Christ. We want them to know what they believe and why they believe it. And for those who may not know Jesus Christ, we want to be able to articulate who God is and what we believe to them clearly. We want them to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we don't know it ourselves, we can't share it. That's why it's so important to not only believe something, but to know what you believe and to know why you believe it. And so, like I said, we're going to be going through the Apostles' Creed. And this will be kind of a stagger because, you know, when I preach, I'll just be hitting the next thing down the line. And so i got two weeks in a row, so we'll be hitting this. We'll be talking about God the Father Almighty, and then we'll be talking about God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and what those two things mean. But this week we'll just hit the first one, because I tried to add them both in, but it would be like an hour and a half message, and no one wants to hear me talk that long. <laughs> but if we start, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. I believe He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day He arose from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Amen. From there He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Now, a creed is a very important thing because a creed is a belief statement. And the reason why it's important is because what we believe should impact how we live. And what we believe should not only impact how we live, but it, what we believe and what we really believe is seen in how we live. Because I can say I believe something, but unless it's impacting my daily life, it's just something I know. 
It's something I wonder about. It's something I may dream about, but it's not something that I really understand. So, why the Apostles' Creed? Well, we want to talk about that. Why the Apostles' Creed? Well, first of all, there's a couple, three things. First of all, the New Testament, as we know it, wasn't fully compiled or put together. What we know from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the way through the book of Revelation, wasn't fully compiled and recognized until the mid-300 A.D. Now, that doesn't mean the writings weren't around. They just weren't compiled into one place. And only a few churches and people had copies of the Bible until the invention of the printing press in 1439. But the Apostles' Creed answered the question, what a Christian believes. Now, the society that the Creed came about, the Apostles' Creed and other creeds, it came about in a society in which it was very um, polytheistic, There was many gods. There was the old Greek culture. There was the modern Roman culture. Uh, There was the gods from the Old Testament still hanging around, the Baals and everything, the gods that we know of today, um, Apollo, Mercury, and all that was being worshipped. The emperor worship had begun to take place. All these things were happening in this polytheistic world. And it was also a very hedonistic world where people lived for themselves and they lived for pleasure. Does this sound anything like what's going on in our world today? Now, I would like to say that many people don't believe there's many gods, but they believe that their truth is truth. Therefore, they have made themselves God. And because they made themselves God, therefore there are many Many gods, we live in a polytheistic society where everyone thinks they are right in their own eyes. And we live in a hedonistic society where people want to feel good. They want pleasure out of this life. So when it came to the baptism of new believers, they wanted to know what do we want these new believers to know and understand? What do we want want to make sure that they knew. So before they would baptize them, and you see this picture of this lady out there um, baptizing herself almost, but being baptized, they wanted to teach the potential candidates three things. They wanted to teach them about the Apostles' Creed. They wanted to teach them um, the Ten Commandments. And they wanted to teach them the Lord's Prayer. Those three things. And it kind of gives us the key. Three keys. First key is they wanted to teach them the Apostles' Creed so they knew right belief. What is the right thing to believe? They wanted to teach them the Ten Commandments because they wanted them to teach them right behavior. What does it look like then? As a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, we know that the greatest Jesus taught the two commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. But he said the Ten Commandments kind of give us an idea what those were like. You know, you don't bear false witness, you don't murder, you worship the Lord your God alone, so, you know, there's one God. (laughs) All those things. So, right beliefs and then right behaviors. And then the uh, Lord's Prayer is all about right relationships. Right relationship with God the Father, right relationship with God the Son, and right relationship with other people. 
Now, right there, there's a whole year-long series of things you can teach on about right belief, right living, right behavior, and right relationships. But we want to talk about this first one here, this creed, this belief statement. And we see that creeds have been around. There was the Roman creed around 150 A.D. There's the Nicene creed, which Pastor Clark talked about in 325. There is the example of creeds in 1 Corinthians 15 and Deuteronomy 6.4. In the early church, they would quote 1 Corinthians 15.3-5. For I delivered unto you first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. That's a creedal statement. That is a belief statement. Now, I grew up Baptist, and when we would hear the word creed, we would cringe, because that meant some other denominations. But creed just means a right belief, a belief statement, excuse me. In Deuteronomy 6.4, God had them quote this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your, our God, the Lord is one. Again, that is a belief statement. So we want to start looking at this first one because these things are important. And you want to ask yourself, does what I believe matter? Does what I believe matter? I've been reading through the New Testament. I have this pattern where I read four or five chapters in the Old Testament in the morning, then a couple chapters in the New Testament every morning. And I've been reading in Hebrews, and Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, tells us something really important. What does it say to us in Hebrews eleven six? It says, in without faith, yeah, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You have to believe in God in order to have a right relationship with him. It's impossible to please him. And God says you must have this belief, this creed, you might say, in order to understand who he is and that he rewards those who seek him. We see in another passage in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, it says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. A lot of times we kind of forget that that one key word there says what? The unbelieving. How important is belief? It's very important. It's vital. And, you know, a lot of times when we are talking to people outside of the faith, we just get this laissez-faire attitude that, well, they can believe what they want to believe, we can believe what we want to believe, and it just is not we all get along. And no, it's important that people believe who God is and who Jesus Christ is and that they believe correctly because of this passage and others like it. And so we want to see, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And we're just going to cover this first part. I believe in God and the Father. 
I believe in God. Not an idea of God, but the personal God of the Bible. And that's a big difference. I've talked to a lot of people who said, I believe in God, or a God, or I believe in the Force. You know, not maybe like Star Wars Force, but they believe that there's a Force out there somewhere doing something, and it's all good. And they may believe in a God who made stuff, but that God then is like really distant and far from them. Or life smacked them on the head and they're, well, and they're wondering, can there even be a God if stuff like this happens? But the Apostle Creed starts, I believe in God. Why? Well, it tells us in James chapter 2 some of the importance of why we believe is so important and why we believe the right things. He says, you believe there is one God, good Even the demons believe at that and shudder. So it's more than just having this ascension that there's God. There's got to be a belief that he is something. And what is he? The first thing that the Apostle Christ says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. I believe in the Father Almighty. Now, this is where it gets really cool. The first thing we notice is that the Father, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God the Father, is a God who knows me. He is a God who knows you. He's not some distant entity out there in space. He is a God who is intimately involved in our lives. We're going to get more into this next week, but he is the God of creation. He created the male and female. He breathed into man the breath of life. He started with this intimate personal relationship with mankind and he wants to have that intimate relationship with mankind forever. And he wants it so badly that he, and because he is God who knows everything, he knows the very hairs on our head. I mean, that is just mind-boggling. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. This is 2,752. This Think about that. They're they're all numbered. Some of you wish he had a higher count. But that joke just never gets old. (laughs) But he knows. You know, sometimes we think he's a God afar off, but we're going to see he is a God who, who is so near. Just picture a God so close. He knows the hairs on your head. I don't know what you've been going through or how far you think God is from you, but He knows the hairs on your head. And there's a lot of people in this world who think God is so distant, but God is the God who's right here, who knows us. He knows our failings. He knows our injuries. He knows the days on earth before I was born. Now, this one's mind-boggling, and I don't understand it all. But the Bible is very clear that God knows how many days we're going to have. I, I don't get that. I don't understand that. You know, But 
he says these truths. Since his days are determined, and the number of his months is with you, and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. Job is talking about man. He's like, you, you set this up. There are so many days a man has. In Psalm 136, verse 19, he says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. You talk about a verse about creation and life and when it begins. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. God says, I knew you before you came into existence on this earth. And I know how many days you're going to be on this earth. That's an intimate knowledge. How many of you know the day that you were conceived? The day you were conceived? I, I have no idea. I, I can go back about ten months from my birth date and have sort of an idea, but I don't want to go there and I don't want to think about it. But God says, I knew you before that. And, and I know you now. And I know when the end will be. None of this takes God by surprise. He knows us. But you, O oh God, Psalm 55, 23, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood, a treachery, treachery shall not live out half their days. So God says, not only do I know your days, but if you live in treachery, I can cut them short. Well, that's not a very nice thing to say, Steve. But God says he can. Because he's a God who knows us. And he's a God who's near us. He's a God who knows me. Who, Mind-blowing again. When you wake up and when you lay down, God knows. When I wake up and when I lay down. Psalm 139. I just read this this morning again, too. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. When I rise up and when I sit down, he knows. He knows when that alarm went off this morning and I groaned. He was right there. He wasn't somewhere else. He was right there. And the same with you. And when you got out of your chair or when those of you who were crazy enough to drive here today. God knew. And God knows. We also know that God knows our rising and our falling. This Father who knows me knows my thoughts. He knows your thoughts. Genesis 6-5, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is talking about for, before the uh, Noadic flood that happened. And God says he knew the, the wickedness that was there and every intention of the thoughts. Every intention of the thoughts. Sometimes I don't even know why I did what I just did. I'm glad there's laughter out here because do you always know why you did what you just did? 
because I, I don't know why I did what I just did, but God says he knows every intention of the thoughts. Look at the next verse, please. I know we're flying through a lot of them today, but it's so important to look at these. Now, my, there it goes. First Chronicles 28.9 And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Think about that. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and every thought. Every plan, every thought, God knows. Now, if you're going, well, you know, God can't be too happy with me and some of my thoughts I've had. They're not a surprise to him. It's not like, have you ever had a bad thought and said, oh, oh no. I hope God didn't hear that one. He already knew before you knew what you were going to know. That's hard to say, by the way. (laughs) But he did, and he does. And yet he says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us, knowing all of our thoughts. Even knowing all of our actions. He loved us and cares for us. Because he is a God, a Father, Who's near? He's a father who knows us, knows us intimately, knows us better than we know ourselves. Luke 5.22 says, When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them. Why do you question in your hearts? <laughs> Could you imagine? Jesus, he's the perfect image of the father we know from Hebrews. And here these people are there around him. And he says, I, I know what's going on in your hearts, guys. He knows. He knows, but he still loves us. <laughs> he knows, but he still loves us. He still wants to have a relationship with us. We're, we don't push him away because of our thoughts. But we should have comfort that he knows, and yet he still loves us and wants to be with us. And again, I want to share with you, if you're going through something terrible right now, If you're going through something rough and it's just, life seems to just be beating you on the head right now, I want you to hear these next few things. Next one is My Father who knows me, He knows my tears. My God knows my tears. Last week, I had a night where. I was just wound up. There's a lot of things going on in my life. We refinanced our house. My wife recently got a new job. I'm starting a new full-time job coming up on the 16th. You know, bing, bang, boom, bomb. All this stuff is going on. And there's some things going on in our family that are just bothering me. And I just was tossing. You know, you ever just can't sleep? And then you go, well, I'm going to be spiritual and pray. And as soon as you start praying, you fall asleep. And then you wake up again five minutes later going, oh, no, I didn't pray. Toss, toss, toss. Well, maybe I'll try praying again. And then you go to pray, and then 
you fall asleep. And then you wake up in terror because you didn't really finish praying. And have you ever woken up so brokenhearted about a situation that you just cried? You ever been driving down the road and the weight of a matter just hits you so deeply that you have to pull to the side of the road and just weep? Or have you ever been so broken or abused by someone that all you could do was hide in the corner? Or maybe it would happen when you were a child and you hid behind a couch and all you could do was cry? When I say I believe in God the Father, listen to what it says in Psalm 56, verse 8. You have kept count of my tossings. Every time I've flipped on my bed, worrying about something, or confused about something, or scared about something, or consumed about something, God says... I know. I've counted them. How close is our God, our Father, to us? You see, when we say, I believe in God the Father, and we're putting the Father on display, what does that mean? It means that when we talk to people, we can tell them that God cares for them so much that He knows every time they toss and turn. And he knows every tear. He, he said, you have kept count of my tossings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are, are they not in your book? A book? What book? God keeps track. Look at the next verse, Isaiah 25, 8. He will swallow up death forever. Uh, Death has caused a lot of tears, hasn't it? But those who believe in God, it says, He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. In the approach of His people, He will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Look at the next verse in Revelation chapter 7. For the Lamb, speaking of Jesus, in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of living water, And God, what will He do? Wipe away every tear from their eyes. And then we see again in Revelation 21.4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. That is who God our Father is. Not only is He counting our tossings and our tears, but He cannot wait for the day that He wipes them all away. He is a Father who knows us. He's the Father who knows us intimately. He is a Father who cares, who cares deeply for us. Look at 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your anxieties on Him or all your cares on Him. Why? Because He, he cares for you. When you talk to people about God the Father, you can legitimately say, He cares for you. Oh, no, He doesn't. God just doesn't like me. All these bad things have happened to me. No, He cares. 
Yeah, but you, you don't understand what I've done or what's been done to me. If this world is so broken, how could God love me? Because He loves you so much, He's counting your tears. And He can't wait to wipe them away. He loves you so much He knows all your tossings. He loves you so much that He wants to take all that anxiety that is weighing you down and He says, cast your care on Him because He cares for you. Look at what the psalmist said. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You can read the rest of Psalm 23. It's beautiful. But it's talking about this intimate relationship that this father who cares. He's like a good shepherd who cares for us intimately, cares about our eating, cares about our bathing, cares about eating bread in the presence of our enemies. He cares. He anoints my head with oil. And then we've kind of been leading up to this. A father who is near, close, close. I don't know who needs to hear this today. You may be thinking God is so far from you. Because of what you've done or what's been done to you. Or you may be a believer who's just been struggling to hear from God lately. But believe me, believe what God's Word says. We have a Father who is near. Jeremiah 23, 33 and 34. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? declares the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. You can't run, you can't hide, and that's a good thing. Right? You know, a lot of times we go, oh man, I just want to run away from God. Well, you can run, but you can't hide. And that is a good, good thing. Because that means God, God is right there. I believe in God the Father that no matter where you are or what you're going through, He's right there and He's waiting for you to call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's life with God the Father. And it's not like He's a God afar off who's not ready to do these things. He's a God who's right here, wanting to be with you, wanting to be near you. He is a Father who not only is near, but He is a Father who's strong. Who is strong? Oh, this is great. As a dad, I've been close to my kids, but there's sometimes I've been powerless to help them. And even when they asked, there was nothing nothing I could do to give them hope. But when we call on God, look at Psalm 106, verse 8, yet He saved them for His name's sake, that He might make known His mighty power. God delights the worst of situation. <laughs> no problem. He's mighty to save. I love that song. He's mighty to save. And Romans 1.16, Paul wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel, the good news. What is the good news? It is the power, 
Can you say that with me? It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. What does that mean? Anybody who's a Jew and anybody who's not a Jew. Who does that cover on the planet? Everybody. And our God the Father, Almighty, He is able to save. He's able to save. What does that mean? No matter what you've done or what's been done to you, God cares. And no matter how broken your heart is or how hard your heart has been broken, God is mighty to save. You see, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, and we'll be getting into this later in the year. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, lived the life we could not live. He did not sin at all. To pay the price he did not deserve to pay. Our sins. And he died for them and rose again. Showing that he paid for them all. And that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God wants to redeem your hopelessness and give you hope. He wants to take your brokenness and give you healing. He wants to cast out your darkness and let you walk in His light. But can He? Oh, yeah. Does He care? Oh, yeah. He knows the hairs on your head. (laughs) He's counted your tossings. He's recorded your tears. He loves you with an everlasting love love. So then, if these are true, who else can I call on but God the Father and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit? Who else can I call on? Who else should I worship? (laughs) I shouldn't worship anyone or anything else but God the Father God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Who else should I live for? I mean, just think about this. Who else? Who else counts your tears and keeps them in a bottle? Who else is always near, no matter what? And who else should I obey? I mean, if this God is so intimately involved that He created us, He sustains us, and He sent His Son for us, and He does all these other things, why would I choose to disobey His loving, gracious commands? And what difference does this make in my life and how I live? I hope it makes all the difference in your life from trusting Christ as your Lord and Savior to living for Him to putting the Father on display and making Him known wherever you go and whatever you do. You see, a creed, a belief statement can change everything if we believe it. 
Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this incredible day you've given to us. Thank you for your amazing grace and love. If you're here today or you're listening today, and you've never trusted Christ, and you, your father wasn't like God, the father that we talked about today, and you never have had that example. The good news is, is God is the father of the fatherless. And he would love to bring you into his family. Just believe him and believe his son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for your sins and rose again. See, that's too simple. Yes, it is. And isn't it great that he made it simple? So all his children could understand and believe. That's the goodness of our God. And if you've been struggling stuff to, with stuff today, I pray that you just turn and trust Him. Now at this time, we're going to take communion. And uh, I had my communion cup, and I thought I brought it up here, but I did not. I'm going to step down right there here for a moment. You got, thank you, Rebecca, or Wanda. How much does the Father love us? He sent His Son to redeem us, to save us. His body was broken for us so that we might be healed in remembrance of Him. His blood was shed for us that our sins might be forgiven in remembrance of Him. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you. And may you walk in the love and grace of the Father today. Amen. Thank you. Thank you all.